You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news and shocking developments in two RCMP investigations underway in northern BC where three people have been found dead. Today, a bombshell from investigators. The two missing Port Alberti teenagers are now considered suspects in those three deaths. RCMP releasing these new photos this morning of 19-year-old Cam McLeod and 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski taken in northern Saskatchewan where they were last seen driving this gray 2011 RAV4. McLeod and Schmigelski are considered suspects in the deaths of Lucas Fowler and China Dees, tourists in BC, and an unidentified man found a few kilometers from the teen's burned-out vehicle. Rumina Dea is live at RCMP headquarters with the latest, including a possible new sighting. Rumina. Actually, two new sightings, Sophie. The hunt for the murder suspects is moving at a rapid pace right now. We just heard from RCMP that the teens were seen in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, two days ago on July 21st. And the latest information we have is that the suspects may be in Manitoba. The police warning the public tonight to exercise extreme caution. The RCMP are now considering Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski as suspects in the Dees Lake suspicious death and the double homicide of Lucas Fowler and China Dees. In less than 24 hours, the two teens from Port Alberni, BC, went from missing to murder suspects. What has changed significantly, significantly since yesterday? I think that is a testament of how dynamic and ever-changing the information is. But to, to find them alive is one thing, right? that they've been spotted alive. What makes them suspects at this point? You know, I can't go into the specifics with respect to how that determination is made. Every Canadian being asked to be on the lookout for 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski and 19-year-old Cam McLeod, the newest images of the teens from northern Saskatchewan, driving this grey 2011 RAV4. We have to recognize at this point that Cam or Briar may have changed their appearance and they may also be driving a different vehicle. What is the motive? Police scarce on details. Here's what we know. July 12th, Schmigelski messages his father from Port Alberni to say him and McLeod are going to Alberta, presumably for work. July 13th, Lucas Fowler from Sydney, Australia, and his girlfriend, China Dees, from Charlotte, North Carolina, are seen hugging, grabbing supplies, and filling up at a gas station in Fort Nelson. July 15th, the couple is found dead on the side of the road along the Alaska Highway, 20 kilometers south of Leard Hot Springs. Four days pass. Then on July 19th, an unidentified man is found dead near Dees Lake. The teen's truck on fire. The second crime scene less than 500 kilometers away from where the couple was discovered. July 22nd, the teens captured on CCTV footage in northern Saskatchewan. Fast forward to the 23rd, RCMP in Manitoba now tweeting the teens may have been spotted in the Gillam area. If you spot Briar or Cam... Consider them dangerous. Do not approach. Take no action and call immediately 911. Stunning turn of events, Romina. We are also hearing from the parents of those teens tonight. What are they saying? 
Yeah, first time we're hearing from them. Um, I just can't imagine what they're they're going through with all of these developments that have occurred over the past few days. McLeod's father has released a statement. He says that his son is a considerate, caring young man. The family trying to wrap their heads around what is happening and they hope Cam will come home safely so that they can get to the bottom of what happened. We're still waiting to hear from the Schmigelski family. Now, his father did tell other media yesterday that his son had asked for a replica gun two years ago for Christmas. He said that he wanted it um, to play in the woods with his friends. They wanted to play war. He said that if the teens were under threat, he said that he knows that his son and um, the other boy, they would know how to camouflage themselves. They know how to hide in the woods. They trained for it. Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Rumina Dea reporting for us at Surrey, uh, at RCMP headquarters in Surrey. Now, meantime, the latest developments have rocked the tiny town of Dees Lake, a community on edge and seeking answers at a town hall meeting tonight. Sarah McDonald is in Dees Lake tonight and has more on the high anxiety. Sarah. In the space of just 24 hours, those two young men whose burnt-out truck was found here in Dees Lake last week have gone from missing persons to the prime suspects in a growing murder mystery in northern B.C. RCMP members from across the country, including dog teams and forensics units, were seen conducting a grid search on Tuesday near the site where the body of that still unidentified man, believed to be the third victim of the suspects in this case, was discovered. Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod are now wanted men on the run from authorities in connection to that murder and the double murder of two tourists found shot to death days earlier, as we now know. Those young men from Port Alberni are no longer believed to be in this province, but those living in this remote area remain on edge tonight. A community meeting is getting underway here in Dees Lake shortly. Tonight's meeting was organized before today's revelations from RCMP that Schmigelski and McLeod are now suspected to be behind all three of those jarring murders. Still, RCMP say this is an opportunity for concerned citizens to learn more information in relation to these murder mysteries. That meeting is expected to get underway in just under an hour. We will have full details coming up later. Later tonight on News Hour Final. All right, thanks for that, Sarah McDonald in Dees Lake. Now to breaking news on the Lower Mainland. RCMP are on the scene in Richmond, where a transit bus is at the center of a serious investigation. Tanya Beja joins us now with more on this story. Tanya, there are reports someone was stabbed. That's right, Sophie, but at this point, police are still not confirming any details about what happened on the bus just behind me here. Uh, what we know for certain is that one person was taken to hospital in critical condition, and it appears one man is in custody. Now, uh, this all happened just before 2 o'clock today on Number 3 Road near Camby. Witnesses say about half a dozen passengers got off the bus appearing very distraught and speaking about a stabbing. Uh, we saw several police officers board the bus and then remove a number of bags. Richmond RCMP are leading the investigation. They are expected to give an update in about half an hour, so we will provide all those details later tonight. But for now, they say they're looking to speak with any passenger who was on that bus. This is a southbound a bus heading south on Number 3 Road just before two o'clock today and for now the southbound lanes do remain closed so drivers should avoid the area. Mm -hmm. Sophie back to you. Definitely a busy area at the best of times. Tanya thank you. A former WHL hockey player has pleaded guilty to assault and has been sentenced in connection with a bizarre baby grabbing incident in Kelowna. 
It happened back in April. Dozens of witnesses watched as Harold Giffen Nyren tried to grab a 14-month-old toddler from his mother's arms at Cary Park in late April. Nyren then stripped off his clothes and jumped into the lake trying to elude police before they finally cornered and arrested him. Court heard today that Nyron was not abusing drugs or alcohol at the time of the incident. Doctors believe that he may have bipolar disorder. Nyron says he's extremely remorseful for what happened. He's been given a two-year conditional discharge. It's not easy looking in the mirror and re seeing, realizing your actions. And that day I wasn't in the right state of mind, so I have to... Uh, except those were my actions and except moving forward to do the best I can to avoid ever those moments happening again. A class action lawsuit brought against the RCMP for sexual harassment is growing. More than 100 more women have now come forward adding their names to the list. This class action and settlement covers volunteers and municipal and contract employees who worked in conjunction with the Mounties. It comes after lawyers for three women reached a settlement earlier this month. Four women who were involved um, in some way with the RCMP as a non-member, uh, they should come forward. They should find out whether they're part of the class or not. If they're not sure, call Klein Lawyers, call Higgerty Law and ask the question because you may be covered um, and you may be entitled to compensation because of it. As many as 1,500 claimants may be eligible for settlements, which could have a total value of as much as $100 million. Hotel workers demanding safety for female employees are rallying in Vancouver today, drawing attention to their concerns. The union representing hotel and food service workers is campaigning to end what it calls a systemic problem within hotels in Vancouver. They allege persistent sexual harassment and sexual assault often by guests. I believe that if we were to um, talk to more women, more, we would uncover more stories of um, stories such as these that have either happened recently or a few years back, um, where they were too afraid to, to tell anybody, uh, including their managers, um, because of the fear of, of retaliation and shame. The union is asking for three measures. First, panic buttons for housekeepers to wear. Second, a list of banned harassers from the hotels. And third, protection for women who come forward so that there is no retaliation from management. Surrey's mayor has named the new police transition committee and perhaps not surprisingly, all four councillors are the remaining members of Doug McCallum's party. Keith Baldry joins us with more on the appointments and the controversy over those appointments. Keith? Yeah, you know, I long thought the B.C. provincial political scene was wild enough, Sophie, but what's going on at Surrey uh, takes a backseat to no one. So Doug McCallum under siege uh, for on a number of fronts. He's not getting his way on SkyTrain out to Langley. That's too expensive. His plan to turn the RCMP into a municipal police force appears to be stuck in the mud. It's not going anywhere. So he's dissolved the Public Safety Committee, which was made up of all members of, of uh, councils, nonpartisan, replaced it with his own police transition committee made up of only his political allies on council. We caught up with two, two of the uh, council members who uh, were formerly supporters of Mr. Uh, McCallum, but now think his style of governing is nothing short of anti-democratic. 
He's not showing the leadership that he should be showing. He's making decisions in isolation of the rest of council. And he's not engaging with any of the residents or with the media. The mayor is not a collegial or collaborative person. I don't believe he knows how to uh, manage a council. He doesn't believe in democracy, communication or transparency. Now, the next bit of drama to unfold on this front should be the next mayor's council meeting, where again, that SkyTrain extension will be discussed. Again, McCallum will not get his way or backing of fellow mayors. Simply, the price tag is too high, more than $3 billion, much more than the $1.6 billion he insists he can build it for. He shows no evidence to support that, though. So it should be a lively meeting with, once again, the Surrey mayor, Surrey mayor at the center of attention. All right. Keeping things interesting. Keith Baldry in Victoria. <laughs> thank you. Some breaking news right now, though, and the death of a B.C. pioneer. The man affectionately known as the godfather of this province's wine industry has passed away. Harry McWaters founded B.C.'s first estate winery, Sumac Ridge, back in 1980. He was part of the first Vancouver Wine Festival back in 1979 and went on to lead a number of projects that helped transform the fledgling B.C. wine industry to a sector that wins countless awards. McWaters had overseen more than 50 vintages of Okanagan-made wine and was awarded the Order of B.C. in 2003. He passed away in his sleep last night in his Summerland home at the age of 74. New controversy tonight over Vancouver's Pride Parade and the growing list of who won't be allowed to participate this year. The library has now been banned from the parade. Catherine Urquhart explains why and how the VPL is reacting. At Vancouver's Pride Society, staff are busy preparing for Pride Week. The parade is August 4th, but this year, a second organization is banned. We would not be allowing the Vancouver Public Library to participate in our parade uh, for this year under the city of Vancouver's entry. Exclusion from the parade comes after the library allowed Speaker Megan Murphy to book space. Pride officials say Murphy is transphobic and anti-sex worker. But it seems justified that the uh, LGBT community would exclude the library from such a illustrious event. I think if they're going to condone someone that is against that and then support it, that's a bit of a contradiction. So I guess it is justified to not have them be allowed at it. Certainly we are disappointed in the decision. Library staff have been marching in the Pride Parade for decades and the library has been a strong supporter and advocate for LGBTQ2 plus rights for decades. UBC is also barred from this year's Pride Parade. It hosted an event with controversial anti-Soji speaker Jen Smith. People can say what they want, um, but there are consequences to it, and we don't have to allow them a platform to do so. The Charter does protect free, free expression in Canada, and the library values intellectual freedom. Ultimately, though, it is, it is something where we need to think about all of the perspectives. Also not allowed in the parade, Vancouver police officers dressed in uniform. Parade organizers say next year could be different. The library and UBC potentially allowed back if they make changes to their booking policies. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. 
TransLink announcing today it is stepping up its bus game. The B-Line uh, bus service is getting a rebrand with a number of new and expanded routes, new vehicles, and a new name. Starting in 2020, the service will be called Rapid Bus. It will build on current B-Line routes and is expected to move 12,000 riders per hour through parts of the Lower Mainland. If you are a transit user, the routes affected include King George Boulevard, Marine Drive, Lougheed Highway, 41st Avenue and Hastings. A Vancouver councillor wants to help the movie and food truck industries and festivals and events to transition from gas to electricity. Adrian Carr says most food trucks, TV and movie shoots and festivals rely heavily on polluting gas-powered generators. She's proposing a plan that would coordinate the city's electric vehicle strategy to give them more options to plug in for power. The generators are primarily diesel and gas. They contribute to air pollution in terms of uh, particulates, uh, to noise, and most significantly to actually the uh, greenhouse gas emissions that we are aiming to eliminate. Carr says eliminating gas generators could slash about 5,500 tons of CO2 emissions per year. A B.C. man who says he was denied his flight by WestJet because of his portable oxygen, costing him hundreds of dollars, reached out to Consumer Matters for help. And Rua got back to him, and here's his story. <laughs> yeah, he was getting nowhere mm -hmm. with the airline. Thanks, Sophie. Tim Jakura says he was in disbelief when he was turned away by the airline. He says he had traveled with his oxygen concentrator before with WestJet with no issues. But this time, it was a different story, and he needed Consumer Matters to step in. Works good, great. I like it a lot easier than the last one I had. Easier, but Tim Jakura never expected he'd have trouble with his portable oxygen concentrator when he booked a flight. Back in April, Tim had purchased a return flight with WestJet from Terrace to Vancouver. Recently widowed, he had planned on visiting his late wife's 95-year-old mother. But when he arrived at the check-in counter in Terrace with his portable oxygen concentrator, Tim says a WestJet agent said he couldn't get on his flight. I to check in and... They looked at my machine and they said it was not FAA approved. Tim says he was shocked since he had recently traveled with WestJet with the same device and no issues. I was tipped right off, I could say, and uh, so I just jumped my truck and I went back home. To make matters worse, Tim was out close to $800, the cost of his airfare and the hotel room he had booked in Vancouver. And they said it was their policy not to refund me, the same as the hotel. Shortly after that incident, Tim obtained a letter from his medical supply dealer proving his portable oxygen concentrator, OxyGo and OxyGo Fit, are FAA and Transport Canada approved. Tim reached out to Consumer Matters for help. When we contacted WestJet on Tim's behalf, we received the following response. We also have a list of approved brands and the approval sticker that should appear on the tank. In this case, our agent erred on the side of caution, as the brand type was not listed and the approval sticker was not on the tank itself. We were not satisfied with that response, so Consumer Matters reached out again to WestJet and sent photographs of Tim's oxygen concentrator showing a red manufacturer's label stating it conforms to all applicable FAA requirements. The red label, similar to the one on WestJet's website on approved oxygen concentrator models and labels. Within days, WestJet contacted Consumer Matters and asked to speak to Tim directly. They wanted more pictures, 
So I took more pictures, uh, took the machine all apart. Shortly after, WestJet informed him he would be getting a full refund for his airline ticket and hotel in the amount of $780.60. We asked WestJet why it reversed its decision and received the following response. WestJet apologizing. We are aware that a lack of consistency led to a frustrating and confusing situation and that we did not meet the standard of care that we are known for. Tim says in the future he'll be driving to Vancouver rather than fly with WestJet. And WestJet also told us it advises anyone traveling with a portable oxygen concentrator to contact the airline 48 hours prior to travel so that any reservation can be updated. Additionally, WestJet says it encourages guests to become familiar with their devices and label approval stickers prior to travel. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. That Boris Johnson is elected as the leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. Well, to no one's surprise, Boris Johnson wins the leadership contest for Britain's Conservative Party and becomes the UK's Prime Minister-designate. The Brexit hardliner will be sworn in tomorrow and will then try to do what two predecessors could not, get Britain out of the European Union without scuttling his own political career. As the leader of the it's the job he craved, but tonight he inherits a crisis. Boris Johnson trying to reassure a divided nation in maverick style. I say to all the doubters, dude, we are going to energise the country. We're going to get Brexit done. Today winning the president's endorsement. Boris Johnson, good man, he's tough and he's smart. And he's divisive, like President Trump. Blonde, brash, a populist and born in New York. Once critical of the president... I think Donald Trump is clearly out of his mind. Johnson now wants a trade deal. America's top ally, now led by the eccentric successor to Theresa May, whom Brexit destroyed. Johnson wants Britain out of Europe by November. The former Chinese leader who was called the butcher of Beijing has died. Li Peng was given the name by human rights activists after he sent in the military to crush pro-democracy demonstrations in Tiananmen Square in 1989. Li was known as an uninspiring bureaucrat but a skilled political infighter. He presided over China's rise of capitalism and economic growth linked with authoritarian control. The rise in popularity of electric scooters has them popping up everywhere. But still, this one in Dallas was pushing the envelope. Yo, what? Bro, are you on a bird scooter on the highway? Bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Good question. Man on a scooter casually weaving through rush hour traffic on the freeway wearing headphones. The city's laws don't prohibit scooters on the interstate, but they do limit them to streets with speeds of less than 35 miles an hour. In Health Matters tonight, it's an issue a growing number of B.C. families are dealing with, Alzheimer's or dementia. In recent years, there have been urgent calls for a change in the way we help and support those affected. Today, a big step in that direction, the opening of BC's first dementia village. Ted Chernecki has more on how the facility works and the challenges critics are already pointing out. 
a five-acre fully private development. This is The Village, just south of Langley City Centre. It is the first of its kind in Canada, a community designed and built for people suffering from Alzheimer's. This is the barn farm area, so here there'll be active planting going on, vegetable gardens, there's also set landscaping. It's more of a larger recreational area. It has amenities you won't find at your typical institutional style care home. In a word, freedom. There's nowhere you can't go. You can come and go anytime you want. You can leave your house just like you and I do. You can associate with your friends over there. You want to go visit the barn in the back. You want to go to the community center. You can do those types of things. Now, there is an eight-foot-high wire fence surrounding the property because Alzheimer's and absolute freedom do not mix. This is part of our security system. So each resident will have a bracelet with a Bluetooth receiver on it, and these will there will be Bluetooth hubs all through the site that are receivers and we'll be able to tell where our residents are within about a meter in real time at any time of the day. It's cost investors $29 million to build this. To live here, you'll need eighty-eight dollars to $100,000 a year. So why not mix public and private money if the end result is better care? It's difficult for governments to move as quickly as we can as private individuals. So if we had tried to form partnerships with government, we'd probably still be in the talking stages. It's a big model to shift. It's like shifting a cruise ship, right? It's, we've had years of a medical-centered model in BC, and to move to a person-centered model where the person is dictating the type of care that they need, how and when, that takes a big shift. But I'm confident that our ministry sees their role. This old parking lot at 33rd and Heather will be BC's first publicly funded healthcare village. It'll have up to 300 residents. In Langley, there are 76 beds, with about 65 of them already rented. Ted Chernecki, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. For the first time tonight, we are seeing how the Department of Fisheries is working to save salmon trapped by that rock slide on the Fraser River. As Aaron MacArthur reports, it's a mixture of new technology and old-fashioned physical labor. Remote and dangerous. Before crews can begin the effort to restore the river at Big Bar, the area needs to be made safe. The explosion designed to break off a nasty overhang that was threatening work on the river below. We continue to do our rock scaling. Uh, the eventual endpoint for the scaling is to allow us to work at the base of the slope. While the river's edge is made safe, work is continuing to help salmon stalks navigate this new barrier. A side channel has been dug and fish are being captured and then helicoptered to the river above. That work, though, temporary designed to deal with early season spawners. For the bulk of the hundreds of thousands of returning salmon, there will need to be a permanent solution. Uh, at the same time, so while we are doing some fish capturing, uh, we do have fisheries out crew out there. We have some technicians and biologists. So we are doing some monitoring, some biological monitoring. Uh, that includes some radio tagging. We're doing some health monitoring, um, which includes looking at body fat of the fish, uh, determining stress level, doing some blood sampling, uh, hormone levels, and determining the stress level of fish. Acoustic monitors show that some fish are making it upstream despite the current state of the river, but not nearly enough. The work expected to take some time, and there is no guarantee the plan to alter the topography will actually work. We want to make it a long-term option, so how can we manipulate the exact existing rocks and boulders to create those eddies and smaller jumps 
to allow fish to naturally migrate upstream. We are also undertaking, uh, we've uh, initiated design and construction of a, of a temporary fish ladder as well. Premier John Horgan expected to tour the work site Wednesday, giving support to crews trying to avert an environmental catastrophe. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. On the market, the Italian villa owned and designed by one of the most famous duos in fashion. And you might be surprised at the price. That's right after the forecast. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at that forecast. We have some severe weather in the forecast, Christy. That's right. So for a second day in a row now, we've had severe thunderstorms across the province and in Yukon. This one from last night. Thank you to Mike for sharing us with that, showing, sharing us that. Uh, you can just see the intensity of the lightning. Remember, if you hear thunder, it's best to head indoors because as long as you can hear it, even if it seems far away, it has the potential of reaching you. All right, an active day. So let's start off with the Okanagan Valley. We've got one thunderstorm right southeast of Cherryville right now. It's traveling towards the north in an area that is not very well populated, but it is affecting Highway 6 right now and in the Elk Valley region, an area just northeast of Fernie making its way to Highway 3 there. This area will be affected for the next half hour. What can you expect? Downpours of rain, uh, hail possibly, and strong gusty winds. And then two cells that we're watching in the BC Peace River area making their way north towards Highway 97, just west of Dawson Creek, likely making its way towards Fort St. John by 9 o'clock. But the real effect will be along Highway 97 there. Now, tomorrow morning, we continue with this southerly flow. When we get this type of flow, that's when we get most explosive type of uh, thunderstorms. So what can you expect? Well, from north of Kamloops all the way into the BC Peace River area, periods of rain with a risk of thunderstorms again tomorrow morning. And then that continues to shift towards the north tomorrow afternoon, focusing in on heavy rain in the Fort Nelson region. Now, for the lower mainland, we have a slight chance of showers, especially in the Fraser Valley tomorrow morning, mainly cloudy skies, but we should return to sunshine by tomorrow afternoon. But certainly a few showers expected overnight into the morning hours, mainly Fraser Valley and northeast B.C. Okay, here's your forecast for tomorrow. So periods of rain across the north. We'll see eastern section showers and a risk of thunderstorms, breaks of blue sky towards the west. Some cloud cover and a slight chance of showers in the morning for the south coast, Sophie, but sunshine by the afternoon and another thunderstorm to show you from the Green Lake area. There you go. Quite a picture. Thank you, Christy. Looking for a vacation property? How about the Italian villa owned and designed by Domenico Dolce and Stefano Gabbana, better known, of course, as Dolce and Gabbana? The villa is perched on volcanic rocks in Stromboli, one of the Aeolian Aeolian islands off the coast of Sicily. It's being renovated by the two designers and reflects their tastes. It has seven suites, each decorated in a different color. At about 2,500 square feet, it's not huge, but needless to say, the views are pretty spectacular. Now, the price isn't listed, but it's believed to be about $9 million Canadian. By way of comparison, if you want to stay closer to home, that same $9 million will buy you a 1,700-square-foot condo, also with great views, in that new twisty tower. It's called Vancouver House. Hmm. That's the name of the hotel? That's, it's, not, it's not a hotel. It's or a the people's building. Homes. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's not the place in Italy my wife has rented for us to stay in in September. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say there either, no. Right? No, I'm not staying there yeah. either. 
I'm not fashionable enough for that. <laughs> I could I could hang out there. You look dapper. I'm trying. I like that blazer. I'm trying. Thank you very much. What you got? Some special hardware was in town today. Yes, today mm -hmm. and tomorrow. The uh, NBA's Larry O'Brien Championship Trophy making its way around the Lower Mainland. Raptors assistant coach and director of sports science Alex McKechnie proudly showcasing, uh, showcasing the trophy. It was here in our studio earlier this morning. Then it went off to the BC Sports Hall of Fame as uh, McKechnie is an honored member of the hall. Just a handful of times that we've seen the trophy here in Canada. Corey Joseph brought it home in 2014 following the uh, San Antonio Spurs victory. Well, this is just a pleasure to bring the trophy back to Burnaby. It's the, the birth of it, this is where it started for me, Simon Fraser. Back in the 70s, yeah, I built my practice uh, in Burnaby. Uh, from there to uh, on Hastings Street at the Dolphin Theatre. Then from the Dolphin Theatre, which a lot of you guys know about. And then from there to um, up on Gilmore and Hastings. Then from Gilmore and Hastings to Eight Rinks. So it's been, it's been a real ride. Yeah, nothing like having lunch with the NBA Championship Trophy. Men and women of Fire Hall number one in Burnaby have the Larry O'Brien Trophy as their centerpiece. One of just a handful of times the trophy has been north of the border. As I mentioned, Corey Joseph brought it home following the Spurs win in 2014. McKechnie letting as many people as possible getting up close and personal with the trophy, including longtime buddy and hoops fan, the legendary Mr. Jim Burns. Well, yeah, but, you know, I was sort of disappointed because, you know, we, we had a NBA team here. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a yeah. sudden, we're all these guys, these avid basketball fans. See, I've been following the NBA since 1956. The St. Louis Hawks. Oh, really? The Syracuse Nationals. The Cincinnati Royals. Oh, yeah. The Fort Wayne. The Fort Wayne Zollner Pistons. <laughs> wow. The Minneapolis Lakers. <laughs> You have been following up. Oh, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah, so you're pretty happy for your friends. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. we. I guess the last time we saw one of them was, that was when you were still working with the Lakers. Uh, yeah, we done in L.A. Alex got the shirt and tie on, looking sharp. Uh, another day of training for the Vancouver Whitecaps. They host Calvary FC tomorrow in round three of the Canadian Championship. It's a crucial match on so many levels for a cap side that, as we all know, is winless in five. Yeah, we have quick turnarounds. We can't focus on uh, on the last weeks. We have to to, to thrive forwards, honestly, and uh, to win the game on Wednesday because it's an important one. It's a Champions League qualifier, um, pass through the the cup, and after that, uh, we want to go all the way and um, have our have our spot in the Champions League after that. In the middle of the pool, the Canadian women swimming out of their skin so far at these World Champs. We'll see what they can do in this 100-meter backstroke final. About Canada's Kylie Mass made history in the pool today at the World Aquatic Championships. She defended her world title in the women's 100-meter backstroke. 23-year-old also winning previous worlds in 2018, as well as capturing bronze at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Mass in front. Smoliga. Smoliga has responded. Smoliga, Mas, it is going to be tight. Who gets there? Mas gets there in front of Atherton. Mas, just the second Canadian swimmer to win two world championship golds, joining the late Victor Davis. Davies, pardon me. Clonus Taylor Ruck just missed out on the podium. Great world champions, uh, though, by our Canadian swimmers. The city of Vancouver might want to consider renaming Marine Drive Zibrick Way. Dave Zibrick is the director of golf head professional at Point Grey Golf Club. His wife Ashley holds the exact same position a few kilometers down the road at Shaughnessy. They're the power couple in BC Golf. Now, nothing against Dave, but Ashley's hiring is like booming a 300-yard drive off the tee. It's big. It's pretty much my dream job, so it means... Uh 
it means a great deal to me, but I think it also means a lot to our industry. Uh, less than 5% of our golf professionals in the PGA of Canada are females. So to be able to receive a top job in the country at a fantastic facility is, is great. These are the tools of Ashley Zibrick's trade. And while her official title is Director of Golf Head Professional of Shaughnessy Golf and Country Club, her hiring represents so much more to Ashley and every female who's constantly trying to break through the glass ceiling that still exists for women regardless of their profession. It is a big deal and we, we appreciate to be recognized for our work, right? First and foremost, we're dedicated to our job. We love what we do and gender just happens to be a small part of it. In the 108-year history of Shaughnessy, it's had eight director of golf slash head professionals. You're looking at the first ever female in that position. This is a woman who was destined for a successful career in golf, one she's been working towards since childhood. Ashley is one of 40 PGA of BC women professionals, all just as talented, yet only six hold the same prestigious title. A club like Shaughnessy, which has got such high traditions to have a female head professional to me is something that speaks a lot to the changing of the industry in itself and and you see I, I think if you looked at the statistics the female demographic of, of golf has grown the highest um, far beyond men far beyond juniors. How's the swing feeling since our lesson? Do you see yourself as a role model? I don't, but uh, thank you for saying that. That's I appreciate that. And you know what? I'm happy to to do everything I can to to be a leader in our industry, to help mentor uh, younger female professionals in our industry, and uh, continue to to just do what I do. And we wish her the best of luck. Dunbar and Trail were winners today at the Little League Provincials. And Caleb Ewing winning uh, Stage 16 back-to-back wins for him at the Tour de France. Julian Alaphilippe remains your overall leader. Almost winding up. Almost. Winding down, I guess, I mean. Almost. All right, thanks very much, Jay. Coming up on ET Canada, all the big stars coming to town for this year's TIFF. Plus, Idris Elba goes bad and the Good Place cast stays good. It's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Sophie. Love the good place. All right. Thank you very much. A White Rock man is up and walking tonight after years of immobility, thanks to cutting-edge surgery that implanted a 3D printed bone in his ankle. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the surgeon responsible believes this high-tech procedure will even save patients from drastic outcomes like amputations. For the last two years, this is how John Jefferson has been getting around and how his wife Shannon's been getting her exercise. Stop. Okay. But this isn't going to be necessary for much longer. How does it feel to be walking again? Awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing because for two years I didn't know it was ever going to happen. His mobility crisis was a result of a motorcycle accident. Shannon was riding her own bike behind him when John hit a deer. I could see that his foot was not attached properly. And then he looked down and said, is that my bone? I said, yeah, that's your bone. He was unfortunate enough to have his talus pushed out and onto the road. This is the talus bone. So it forms your ankle joint. It forms the other joints around underneath your ankle that allow your foot to move side to side. Surgeons put the bone back in place as best they could, but before long it became infected. John was looking at amputation when Dr. Younger offered an option. An artificial talus, so a three-dimensional modeled talus. 
but the cobalt chrome talus, tailor-made to suit in Texas, was experimental, so they were refused. So I wrote them an email. I just said, if it's experimental, let's put it in. If it doesn't work, you're going to cut my foot off. Well, you're going to cut it off anyway. And so on May 24th at St. Paul's Hospital, John became the first person in Western Canada to receive an artificial talus. It went really well, much better than I expected. I mean, his range of motion restoration is, is fantastic. Making John a trailblazer. If I can save one other guy from having, or person, from having a, uh, an operation where they lose their foot, then I'm, I'd be pretty happy. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. You'd never know That's that amazing. anything could happen, right? Fascinating. Technology. Now, if we could only make the uh, printers in our office work properly. <laughs> Just, Never. You know, the regular ones. All right, final word on the weather forecast, Christy. Sure. So showers uh, expected to push in late this evening and overnight. It will be mainly in northeastern Metro Vancouver and then the Fraser Valley. Tomorrow morning also. Sunshine by the afternoon after a bit of cloud in the morning. And uh, put in a slight chance of showers Friday, Saturday. So tune back in for that update. Otherwise, it's not looking too bad. Over but some warnings for other parts of the province. That's right. So we still have severe thunderstorm warnings and watches. Uh, stay tuned to me on Twitter, on Facebook, Global BC page. We've got all the updates there for you. All right. Thanks very much. And thanks for joining us tonight. That's all the time we have. Have a good evening.